for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whoa, boys! Light the fires and kick the tires. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure how you're feeling right now, but September is a knocking. I believe my old necks are swelling, and I might have even just peed a little bit. <laughs> ah, yes, sir. Time to quit the talking and start doing the walking. It's our favorite time of year. Elk season is here. Just like you, all of us here at Elk Bros are getting ready to hit the hills. But before we do, as your elk hunting coaches, first up, it's pregame time. Joe, myself, want to cover some last-minute thoughts for you to carry along with you in the woods this fall. Then we're going to talk about how to deal with and avoid a bull hanging up on you. Those topics and our Elk Bros shout-outs, along with questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas coming to you from Spring, Texas, and joining me from New Mexico, your elk hunting coach, Joe Gillia. What's up, Joe? Hey, man. (laughs) Can you believe it, Joe? Three days and we're going to be in elk camp. Yes, sir. And thank goodness, buddy, man. Absolutely. Get all the talking and start doing the walking. I'm telling you, I put my four and a half miles in this evening. 
Oh, yeah, that's awesome, yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, and it's so funny. I mean, you, it's, you prepare for this stuff and all our listeners out there, you know, you guys, we're no different than you, man. You know, you hear us talking about all this stuff, but gosh almighty, we talk about it all year. We get ready and you can't wait and boom, it's here. So, uh, it, it's awesome. I'm excited. We'll be seeing you in a few days, be getting the, the mafia here. Got to oh, get man. Have well, man. We got to get him well, man. That's got to yeah. happen. So. We, uh, all our listeners out there, y'all please say a prayer for our buddy Leroy Chavez. Uh, and uh, he's been down in the weather, and we got to have him at Elk Camp this year. So yeah. I believe in the power of prayer, y'all. So y'all keep old Joe, uh, Joe and, and uh, Mr. Chav on your uh, prayer list, please. Oh, appreciate that, man. Um, yeah. And we'll get him there. We'll get him back, man. I tell you what, uh, uh, elk season do it does wonders for some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so before we get going, Gilbert, there's some things that uh, that I want to make sure take a little bit of some housekeeping here. Sure. With the season coming on us, um, I want everybody, all of our listeners, to know that there will be a podcast next week, September third. The focus of that podcast will be peak rut and after the kill that's what that's going to be about um the reason i'm letting you know is is that you know we record our shows a week in advance so um today is the august 21st but you guys will be seeing this on the 27th so we're basically you know talking like we're going to be there on the 27th. So we do that to get all of our shows ready. So actually, when you guys are listening on September 3rd, we're, we're, we're going to be pounding the hills. So, yeah, buddy. Uh, Hopefully we got our hands in a warm gut pile. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I do want to let our listeners know that that following week of September the 16th, yeah, everybody knows and everybody's been ready. We've been so consistent that our podcast comes out every Tuesday um, for everybody to catch. But you know, we're not coming out of the mountains uh, until just about that time. So um, there will be a podcast the week of the 16th, but not necessarily on that Tuesday will it be released. So we want you guys to know that. Just uh, keep paying attention. Uh, I, if you are on our, if you've gone to the Elk Bros website and you've joined our Elk Camp, I always send a, a, a letter out, an email out to everybody that, that talks about the podcast is what, when it's available on that day, we send a tip or we send some kind of story, something like that to keep everybody in the know. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, we always let you know on Instagram. So, uh, the cool thing though, is this, you know, Gilbert, we're pretty excited about this, that we'll be recording a podcast or possibly even more from elk camp. So that's going to be something pretty special. So I can't wait, man. We'll have the we'll have the Venezuelan mafia in camp with us, and we'll have the professional mountain lion hunter out of Pennsylvania, Brendan Houlihan. <laughs> uh, we'll be breaking him in the mountains for sure. Brendan is a legend, y'all. This guy kills more cats with his hands than <laughs> no <laughs> doubt, brother. No doubt. Um, well, he's yeah, a really so, good friend of mine. Been in the hills with me before. A guy we can ride the river with. So can't yeah. wait to get Brendan in camp with. Us. I've actually uh, I've actually had Brendan with me before. So yes, looking sir. forward to having that back he's a great guy so we guys you're going to be in our camp so you're going to be able to uh 
we don't know how unleashed it will be. <laughs> Stay tuned. But, but yeah, so we're going to have some fun. Um, it'll probably be, you'll be able to hear about some of our days, things that have happened. Uh, you'll hear some of our discussions, some of the reasons that we do things. So we're real excited about that. There's even a chance that there's going to be something special from our hunt that's going to be on Elk Bros YouTube channel. So stay tuned on that. Uh, that'll take a little bit more time to put together. Um, but uh, uh, that's one of our goals. So that's one of our challenges, you know, that we're taking with us to Elk Camp this year is we're trying to get a lot of what we do on video. And, uh, you know, as you know, we're building our Elk Hunting Academy. And uh, so we're doing some things there for that as well. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, also, guys, we really want to thank all of you guys out there that have been subscribing and giving us such incredible, great reviews. You know, awesome reviews. We go on there and it just really does our heart good to know that there's so many um, people out there getting something of value. Uh, so while you're listening right now, Ladies and gentlemen, we work so hard at giving you free content that is going to make you a successful elk hunter. So how about showing the elk bros a little bit of love right now on your podcast app? Uh, go and look down and, you know, rate us, man. But first thing, you can subscribe on all those. So go down, make sure that you subscribe to us. When you do that, it shows the amount of listeners we have that really helps us. Uh, and then if you can, on your podcast app, iTunes, or if you're on YouTube, you know, go there and uh, give us a, a review, give us a rating, and on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. So I'm kind of really pushing that out there and just want to tell you guys that we have thoroughly enjoyed what we've been doing. And if you haven't figure that out <laughs> by watching us and listening to us, then I tell you, man, you've been missing the boat because we are having a daggum blast trying to help you guys out. Um, yeah, ab absolutely, Joe. I spoke with a really good friend with a, that was in elk camp with us last year. His name is Trey Kissler. He owns Kissler Rod Company here in Magnolia, Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, Trey um, definitely wanted to come hunting again, but he got an opportunity to go with Gary Loomis and go hunt some Roosevelt elk oh, up in up wow. in Washington, <clears throat> or maybe Oregon. But uh, yeah, anyhow, Oregon. Yeah. yeah, he was in Oregon, and uh, so he wished us the best. He just heard about the podcast and heard, and and went and rated it and reviewed. He goes, dude, y'all are having way too much fun. He goes, uh, and I've been knowing Trey since I was a young man, and that's right. been a long time. So, right. uh, we wish Trey all the best in his uh, his endeavor up there with those Roosies, and I hope he'll send us some pictures pretty quick. Heck yeah, hey Trey, best of luck, man. Go knock them down. You all bet, right? buddy. Yep. All right, so let's move on. Buddy, it's time to get the party started. Yes, sir. It's Elk Bro shout out time, shout Joe. Out. Shout out, shout <laughs> out. <laughs> if you're new to our show, these are just a shout out to the few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. And, you know, um, those big um, overall guys, I, I tell you what, Denver, Minnesota, Albuquerque, Portland, Oregon, um, uh, Houston, Texas, these state, states and cities have really been 
just over the long haul, really doing incredible things for us. But again, these are those that we go and check per week that get on and listen right away. And uh, we, we try to recognize them. So, um, Oh, by the way, guys doing this for y'all has really not only brought us to you, it's brought you to us. I've learned so much about y'all's towns and cities that, um, my wife, Loretta, Chav, and my sister-in-law, mm-hmm. Kathy, we just got done doing a massive road trip up into the Midwest to see some of these places that we never, I have never been up there. We went through nine Midwest states. And you remember on a podcast, Gilbert, a, a while back, we gave a shout out to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. No doubt. Look at the shirt that Joe's wearing. Yeah, check that out, guys. <laughs> Representing right there. <laughs> oh, that's too cool. I was at the falls, man. And that's it's just awesome, the Joe. park was beautiful. We went through Omaha, Nebraska, nine states, you know, right. Kansas City, Kansas, Minneapolis, Minnesota, who also has been a huge listener in those top cities for us. So right. Uh, you know, guys, you have broadened our horizons just as much as, or I don't know about Gilbert, he's been everywhere. <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. I've yeah. Been everywhere. It's been, it goes along with the territory, Joe. Yeah. That's so for sure. I, I'll get back to the ones that are there, topping the chart yeah. this week. Super freak, super freak, super freak. Singer J- Rick James grew up here where the city law prohibits the throwing of snowballs here, except in designated areas. And what the world now knows as buffalo wings were invented here at the Anchor Bar in 1964. A huge shout out to our listeners in Buffalo, New York. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, next up, located in the northeasternmost part of their state, if you're looking for a whitetail or turkey outfitter in Ohio, you will find the Sun Valley Whitetails Outfitters here and the long retreat and family resort considered a hidden gem for summer fun by all the locals in Latham, Ohio. Latham, Ohio. Thank yes, you, sir. guys. Ladies and gentlemen in Latham, we sure appreciate you. And, you know, it's funny looking for stuff for them. It was all about having a good time there. So that's that's pretty cool. That is cool. Renamed to honor an assassinated U.S. president, this U.S. city was a home to Hillary Swank and Johnny Carson. And their university's weight room is the largest in the country, covering three quarters of an acre. It's big. It's Big, buddy. I mean, that's all we – and where else, man, where you have them corn huskers? And I was there in Lincoln, Nebraska, not mm-hmm. too long ago. Lincoln, Nebraska in the house. Thanks, oh, y'all. That's so awesome. I've been there, Joe, and I'm telling you, that's the most rabid college football place you'll ever want to play. But some of the kindest people. I've been to – and I won't mention names, Texas A&M, Kyle Field. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to watch a, show, a game there if you against the Aggies, right? I'm telling you, in Lincoln, Nebraska, they treat everybody with respect, and it was it's a fantastic university. And they're – and, you know, Lacey and I are going around the country with her playing softball, looking at different colleges. Their facilities there is just crazy. Their weight room is humongous. 
yeah. uh, before you say the next one, I just want to let those other towns know that you mentioned that that is Gilbert at elkpros.com to send that to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my brother Aggies, they know who they are. <laughs> we love them all, man. We support all the Texas schools here, that's for sure. <laughs> but they know my bleed burn orange blood around here, Joe. So Cool. Yeah, they're going to throw a whole lot of shade at us for sure. I know that. <laughs> uh, next up, this city's known for its castle gardens. The castle is not the home princess or princes or kings or queens. It's not their garden either. This site <laughs> filled with sandstone that was formed into shapes of castles, Riverton, Wyoming. Riverton, Wyoming. In the house. Yes, sir. I bet those guys are ready to go elk hunting too. Yeah, because I think... I think I had something, uh, Wyoming actually starts September 1st, just like we do, Gilbert. Yes, sir. I believe yeah. you're right. Yeah. I believe so you're right. They're getting you know, ready I, to. I think, uh, I think you're right. It says Wyoming September 1st through the 30th. Yep. yep. They're yep. packing up just like we are, man. They're getting everything ready, getting, getting everything sharp, man. You bet. Okay. Last but not least, the Central Mall here is the largest indoor shopping center in Arkansas. And. This is cool because my dad actually got to have a beer with Elvis, believe it or not, man. My oh, wow, man, yeah. the king. Yeah, in Germany. Oh, hey, Yeah, we were right. military together. So, and when Elvis was inducted into the Army in 1958, his haircut heard around the world was done in this city. Wow. International visitors, visitors still arrive here every day to see that exact haircut spot. Yeah. <laughs> Fort Smith, is. Arkansas. Fort Smith, Arkansas in the house. I just left the great state of Arkansas. <clears throat> One of the hardest days of my life, uh, dropping off my child at uh, Washtaw Baptist University in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. But Fort Smith's a great town. We love the state of Arkansas. <clears throat> it's got, I mean, it's a heck of a, a beautiful place with lakes and rivers that come through the Washtaw River, and Lake DeGray. I mean, it's a beautiful place up. Uh, all yes. Arkansas is gorgeous. Yeah, so you Razorbacks over there, man. You you see a young lady with the last <clears throat> name Ornelas, man. Y'all treat her good. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. So well, we Joe, here, bud. Bet, man, for sure. Yeah, and you know, thinking about this, this is really <clears throat> our last opportunity to hit. Pretty much, there's some guys that are already up in the hills, but pretty much hit everybody else that's heading up there, and you know. Um, y'all we're coaches the whole thing that this has been about is is being your elk hunting coaches and so we have decided with that it's pregame time and we want to be able to cover some things with you to make sure that hey man it's that last minute strategies those last minute reminders the things that you tell your athletes both mind and body and and techniques that are going to carry them through to the game and so that, sure. That's a whole idea right now, Gilbert. So the, I, I think the first thing uh, that I want to speak at everybody about is, and, and, you know, I keep getting all of these these letters about, well, how should I call like this? Or what should I do in this situation? Or how many steps do I do backwards around the tree to make sure I don't get centered on the right side? Right? You know what I'm saying, man? It's like there, there, there's so much that they are absorbing and keeping in the head. and sure. and. So, guys, the first thing I want to tell you, the same thing I tell my kids out there, don't overthink it. Keep it simple. K-I-S-S. You know? 
Yeah, the KISS principle, man. You know, keep it simple. You know, don't overthink it when you get there. Guys, this is elk hunting. And these animals have, at this time of year, four basic needs. Food, water, breeding, and a bedroom. You know, you think about those things right there. Gilbert says all the time. In fact, I, I was just on the phone with one of our uh, guys that sent in a letter because uh, I, I know he's actually going to be in the mountains before this comes out. So I called him up and, uh, you know, he had some of the questions, you know, same thing. You know, I'm in this great feed area where we found these elk and they're, and they're going up. And, and you know, basically he's already in the money. He's found where they're feeding, Oof. you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you find those cows, you find the bulls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. simple. It is. It is that simple. Dude, I I think a lot of guys overthink it, Joe, you know, and, uh, in, in, we, we're all apt to do that. But listen, I tell my kids all the time, there's something that doesn't take talent and that's effort. You know, if you put the effort in and you do a few little simple things, you're going to really make yourself a whole lot more, uh, successful and you're going to put yourself in better opportunities to be successful. Exactly. And, but it takes effort, man. You guys think y'all are just going to ride down the trail and blow a bugle out the truck and stuff like that, or out off your four wheeler. It's going to be different. You know I mean? Sure. There might be some places where you could do that, but not where we hunt. <laughs> you know I mean? It's, you're going to have to put the work in and the miles in. And if you've done some pre-scouting, like your, your buddy that you talked to, he's done found where they're coming in and feeding. Oh man, he's ahead of the game. Now it's sure. all about wind, you know, and figuring out how to cut, get in between them and uh, making a few sounds to see if there's some bulls around that are going to come in there with them. But I assure you, if there's cows around, they're going to be bulls around. Definitely. You know, in fact, he's just sent me a video that I got a chance to look at that they shot in an area over there and out in the flats in the video was about 250 head of elk together. And, you know, one thing I wanted to tell CJ there is that, yeah, that 250 heads together right now, but you watch as soon as them bulls start cutting on that herd and things start going crazy, it's going to be it's, groups of 20. It's going to be fun to watch, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you have a big group like that and there's plenty of bulls around and, and with the competition, mm. it could be a really, really good time. But mm. the other thing guys, like I said, is keep it simple. You know, um, CJ's found an area where there was feed. Well, what if he goes in there the first day because other people have gone through and they're not in that spot? Well, again, it's an area with a good feed, right? So it's that simple. You just got to keep moving, find the sign, find where those guys are feeding in the morning, at night, and yep. uh, and and you work that. They need to have food. They got to have water. And Right now, we're in that transition period when they're going from that pre-rut and heading towards the rut. So there's going to be some really cool things going on, all right? You bet. Yeah. Um, A huge one that I want to make sure, especially for our new elk hunters out there and hunters, our elk hunters that are coming from the east, please remember this. And and I drew on this from talking with Eric from – the, the where to hunt and um you know guys you are not whitetail hunting move make noise be aggressive 
You know, you're either going to create your opportunities or you're going to miss out. And, and, and what I mean by that is I had a guy one time and man, we are in the middle of a group of elk and, and Gilbert, it was one of those where you're hearing, gloom, 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 right? right? Oh, I mean, this guy's glunking. Yeah. I'm hearing little whines and stuff like that. I mean, we are amongst them. And this bull is right on the other side of a pine. And this guy has a branch in front of him. And he stayed there frozen solid, man. And the bull walks off. <laughs> and I'm like. Do I, do I happen to know that guy? <laughs> no, no. It, oh, it, this oh, is wow. a different one. A different this, guy. This is a, this is a different guy. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, bud, man, why didn't you? He said, if I'd have moved out, I'd have spooked him. And I said, okay, you stayed frozen. How well did that work out for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can no. guarantee you, you won't get a shot if you don't try. Yeah. That's what I can guarantee you. Yes, sir. Do the math. You know, yeah. the same result, at least if this guy makes a move, especially if that bull is moving, you can move. That's the best time to move you is bet. when they're moving. So please, guys, get out there. Be aggressive, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking to uh, one gentleman. He was telling me that they had spotted some elk. By the time they got down to them, they were all the way up the ridge because they were working nice and slow and quiet. Mm -hmm. You're not able to do that with these critters, man. They are horses with horns. You've got to be aggressive. you got to move, and you got to get down on them, okay? Antlers, Joe. <laughs> uh, so why you why you do that lance man i sure am going to miss you this season uh, I, I sure am man i sure uh, going to miss you and, and i i want to i want to wish you i want to wish the whole crew there at uh, bermejo this season all the best of luck and i'm going to miss you and uh, uh I, I hope to be back there possibly and 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 if not you know i want to see you guys and and i want to hear the stories and and uh you guys go knock them out because i tell you what they got a heck of a crew up there vermejo and uh, no doubt and and lance is uh is a a1 game biologist so you bet uh, uh, uh so <laughs> when you see those antlers <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, coach what do you any any words you have for anybody in pregame right now i'm i'm deferring over to you right now yeah no uh listen i think one of the big things is these guys when you're pre-gaming is understanding that what you you touched on it joe it's being aggressive and making your opportunities and i call uh, you know being aggressive is one thing but when you get an animal that's in the killing zone Okay. Right. When he's inside your killing zone, it don't matter if he's walking, if he's draw, you have to draw your bow. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen guys not pull their bow back because they were worried about spooking the animal. If you've done your homework and you guys have been even just messing around with a diaphragm call, I put it in your mouth. And when you draw, just make a sound with it. I promise you, if, if it's even close. To shoot, if he's yes. in position to shoot, give yeah. that little bit of call and he will stop. He, and He will stop and you okay. will be able to draw and he's still going to be puzzled about what that is because that doesn't look like an elk standing there right? right? or kneeling there or whatever. He's going to give you enough time where you can get it back and let it rip. And even if he doesn't, let's say he boogers, right? He was inside the killing zone, yeah. which – you know, it's 30, 40 yards. He starts off and kind of bucks and, and spins. Yeah. 
man, that's all you got. He'll stop. He'll run up there 20 or 30 yards and stop and turn broadside to look at you. Right. And I mean, he, they will give you your opportunities, but you have to get your bow back. I cannot tell you how important that is, is to draw. I, I've been with Joe and I've been with several guys that have been with Joe and they just didn't draw their bow back. And like he said, how, how'd that work out for you? You know, blow it up if we got to, but at least we got the bow back. And if the animal gets confused or anything, it just takes a few seconds, guys, when they're in that killing zone to settle that pin where you want it and touch it off. Right. Right. So, and, and I want to clarify for, for Gilbert on top of that is, is guys, if you're able to draw, um, when, you know, you know, that animal's coming into the air and you're able to draw and hold, you know, ahead of time, do that. If sure. you aren't able to, and that animal, once that animal has cleared and is in a shooting, like Gilbert said, killing zone, draw, you know, yeah. sometimes you can draw and bugle to cover that is what he's talking yeah. about. Sometimes just draw and, yeah. And if stop. the movement will stop you, that call, yeah, that movement alone will get that bull to stop and look at you. You bet. And if he if he does flush a little bit, you cow call, and he's like, oh, that movement, and he's going to stop broadside, like he said. So, yeah. just to clarify that for you. Yeah, no, and I, it's so important to get them in that zone before you do anything, right? Because if you do anything before they're in the killing zone, you can really get it to where they're not standing right, or they stop short of the killing zone, or anything. As soon as they get in that killing zone that's when we got to make our move right right so many guys go too early and the bull spots them right and they're frontal or you know they behind something or whatever and man then they're like hmm that don't look like an elk (laughs) so yeah (laughs) you know they just trying to get the whiff and you know before you know it these thermals switch on us and stuff like that and they get a little gust from the elk gods and bingo you're you're looking at tag soup you know, instead of, instead of having a bull on the ground. But I'm 100% agree with Joe that, man, when it's time to, to make it happen and they're in that killing zone, get that bow back, man, settle your pen, pick a spot. <laughs> Look, if, if you're a baseball player and you just stand at the plate yeah. and you let balls go by, you are never going to get a hit. You can't you know? hit it. Might as well have left you bad at you the a swing, man. You got That's a it. swing. All right. Yeah, we get three swings, three strikes. Let's get them all right. Because out of them three, if you're pretty good, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get at least one of them. And I tell guys all the time that too when we're bow hunting or everything. You know, even whitetail guys that are with me, man, I tell draw, and they're like, man, he's looking at me. Draw. <laughs> you know? I'm like, they're gonna stop there and look at. You. If you don't get drawn, we never can close this deal. You know? Yeah, so what are you going to do? They're just going to keep coming, getting closer, get tight. Yeah, they're going to stomp yeah. their foot and turn and look at you and everything. And I'm like, look, man, you're just giving him more opportunity to blow out of there. If you draw and he turns, and you're going to get a good shot at him. There you, know? you go. So I, that's, I think that's one of the biggest deals in pregaming is guys just when you make your plan and you get a bull or a cow or any illegal elk that you're planning on taking – is uh, make sure that you guys get him in that kill zone and then make your make your move on him. You know? And, you know, you just brought up a good point, Gilbert, that I hadn't thought about that I didn't even have in my list to cover in pregame. And, and that's it, your, is, is your game plan. You yep. know, guys, uh, stick to your game plan. You know, <laughs> don't freak out when you, if you don't see animals the first day. Uh, 
you know, stick to your game plan, stick to the things that you know, follow the, the, the plan and, and do the simple things that you need to. And don't freak out, man, because remember, elk, uh, it, it, an area can be desolate of animals <laughs> and it can fill up in next, five minutes. So, you bet, man. And critters can cover some country. They really can. So, you know, don't go freaking out and getting away from the game plan, all right? Um, and enjoy it. Enjoy the adventure, man. Enjoy being enjoy being in the woods. Enjoy being with your with your partners and your hunting buddies and stuff. I enjoy it. This is a special time of year for me and all my hunting buddies that we share out camp with. Man, I, we take a little bit of time out every day to smell the roses and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, chew a little bit of that dirt and stuff like that and, and enjoy what God's created for us to enjoy. Most definitely, uh, because I tell you what, it, it is a blessing just to be out there, man. Amen. And, you know, for our players out there, the one thing that that I tell my kids and, uh, and just like I'm going to tell you is understand something. It's going to be hard. Yep. Um, we don't do this because it's easy. Uh, if, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. So it's going to be hard. Challenge yeah. yourself, yeah. rise to the occasion, guys hunt with grit. I mean, we, we call you our grinders yeah. and, and because you are blue collar elk hunters, man, you grind it out every day. All of you grind it out every day with family job, uh, bills, work, everything, you know? So when you're out there, challenge yourself and understand it's going to be hard. Rise to that occasion. You know, you've worked for this and waited for this all year for this opportunity. So if you're out there five days, if you're out there seven days, that's it, you know? So don't waste any of that. Don't get out there and go, man, it's just not happening and give up on yourself don't you dare do that, man. Yeah. Like Gilbert said, enjoy the adventure. Be yeah. the elk. You know, yeah. take in all the moments out there because you're gonna you're gonna experience and see some incredible things that nobody else. I mean, when you hear that bugle out there, for some of you it's gonna be the first time or the first time you have one screen that comes oh, my Lord. in your face. You cannot explain that to somebody and them understand that. It's just something extremely special. It's it's almost like experiencing your child being born. You just can't explain what that feels like until you go through it. I mean, we hunt with so much passion, you know, and so much confidence and determination, you know, and then you just kind of let everything else take care of itself. That's exactly right. As long as you put that effort in and have a great attitude and, you know, you're going to have some opportunities if you're doing, if you're doing your homework and everything, but it's really about enjoying the experience for us. And, you know, camp is so awesome. Uh, putting the work in all, you know, off season, you know, we've all been, I'm not getting any younger. Joe's not getting any younger. So you have to modify some of your training regiments because you've got some, some old injuries that rear their weary heads. But, you know, we've done, we've done our due diligence. We've taken off some weight. You know, we've gotten in good shooting shape. You know, we've made some adjustments on our equipment that's better. Technology's advanced. You know, Joe's, 
Joe uh, keeps pumping us up with the passion that he has for this every week. And, uh, you know, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to get out there with my brothers and, and knock them down. My wife thinks it's, she goes, I think all of y'all do up there in camp is cry and tell stories <laughs> with one another. You know? so, well, uh, well we got a little bit of crying to do up there too, because I, I you know, uh, you people out there don't know, but our group just got bigger. one member bigger because, um, uh, yeah, Manano Graterón uh, and, and his wife, Ana Karina, Anna have Karina. just had a, a, a beautiful baby boy. Um, Tomas Jose, Tomas, right? <laughs> Tomas Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. No, don't uh, be shout, out, <laughs> shout out to our brothers from Venezuela, man. Our yep. Venezuelan mafia is pro, you know, uh, plus one now, man. Yes, Tomas Jose is in the house, and we can't wait to get him to help camp with us. In the there you go. So you guys remember, love to compete, love to hunt, have the passion. Everything else takes care of itself. All right? Amen. So let's go to topic two. Let's talk about yeah. uh, help these guys out with dealing with or avoiding a hanging bull, <laughs> a bull hanging up on We've them, had okay? that happen a few times, <laughs> haven't we, Joe? Sure, man. You know, crap happens, you know. You as long as we eat, crap happens. So, exactly. uh, <laughs> you know, but why does a bull hang up? Let's understand what's happening there is yep. that <clears throat> you have been calling to a bull and – that bull has pinpointed where that last call came from. And especially if he's in a, and this is where it happens, is an area of visibility. You know, that bull comes in 80 yards and knows that there's a cow or another bull within that 80 yards, and they can see that far. They're looking and expecting to see another critter, okay? And a lot of times that happens because a lot of guys will take and they'll bugle, especially with a lot of those volume tubes, and they bugle or they cow call through it at that animal. And you don't even have to do that. But if you do do that, you're sending that sound so that animal even thinks you're a little bit closer than what you are. You know, if you do give a cow call, a normal cow call, they, I tell you what, they are experts on pegging that distance. So um, most of the time, a bull hanging up is our fault. It's from our decisions, from our actions, or our inactions. And, you know, either we have set up incorrectly. You know, uh, a lot of times, Gilbert, when we set up, we set up so that we want to be able to see a bull coming from a long distance. Yeah. Well, now we've set ourselves up for a bull hanging up because, sure, we can see the bull, but that bull can see a long distance too, and he's oh, wondering man. where in the heck that cow is. So, you, um, you know – that's what happens when a bull hangs up and you can yell at that bull all you want, but that bull's like, well, where the heck are you? Especially if he's got cows, Joe, you know, if he's got cows with him, it's almost, it's, you know, it's almost impossible sometimes to pull him off. Sure. You know, they hang up and, you know, they'll, they don't want to lose that cow that's away from them, but they don't want to leave, especially if there's other bulls in the area, they don't want to leave what they got either, you know, especially if they can't see what's, what's calling to yeah. him man they, i've seen him just whip around man and and start whipping his cows in the shade and pushing them you know right and uh, he wants them away from them other bulls you know but so. understand something y'all there's things that you can do yep. number one to cause that not to happen right. or if it does happen there's some things you can do so um we're going to give you some strategies now 
And one of them has to do with your setup. You know, uh, there, there's, when you call to an animal, we used to teach this to our point guards in basketball. When a point guard makes a pass, they need to move. They don't want to stay in the area they passed from because the defense knows where they're at, right? Same, same thing, man. As soon as you, if you end up having a cow call and you get that response and you know that that animal, you determine that animal's coming. If you're a solo hunter, especially, you've got to get moving up. 30, 40 yards at this time. And, you know, we tell you to be noisy all the time, but this is the one time you don't want to be noisy because if he hears that noise coming up, he does assume it's another elk and he does pinpoint that noise and he does expect to see that elk when he comes there. But if you're calling from back there, especially if you throw your calls behind you and then that bull replies, you can tell that he's moving in on you. You want to move up and you want to move to the downwind side. So it's kind of like a little uh, button hook or a little yep. L. You're going to go up 30, 40, and you're going to move to the downwind side. That way, when that bull circles the scent check, now that 80-yard hang-up becomes a 40-yard shot, yep. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So re- remember that. Now, in the two-person setup, same thing. You yep. want that person to get up there 30 and 20, 30 or 40 and 20, and now you as the caller are going to work that bull past. It's a whole lot easier to bring a bull that's, that's hung yeah. up on a two-man setup than there is on a solo hunter. You bet. Okay. Um, most of these you know, questions that we got on a bull being hung were from guys that were solo hunting out there. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, I have every bull I've killed in the last uh, 33 years – has been I've called that bull in so I've acted as a solo hunter guys so it can definitely be done um second strategy is you need to use thicker cover terrain for your setup again you yes you want to have shooting windows but you don't want to have shooting windows for 60 yards you want to set up where it's that bull you want to take away his advantage to be able to see you from 80 yards. You want to set up in an area that's thick or cover between you and that bull. So that bull has to come past that cover in order to be able to see that cow or see that bull there. So you are going to still be in front of cover, but you're going to utilize your setup by getting some thickness to divide like a screen between you and that bull coming in. Okay. So, Use the cover of the environment. If it's an area where there's a, not a lot of vegetation, then use the hills or, or the dips in the terrain so that that animal has to come over a hill, uh, a rise to be able to see you and be in shooting position. So yep. you got to understand where that's at, man. And, and, and Gilbert, you were talking about being able to pull the bow. Whenever you're using a rise or using terrain like that to, to get yeah. your shot, perfect opportunity because you see the tips of those horns, man. And you see the tips of those horns, boom, you're back. You bet. Right? You okay. bet. Yeah, he has no clue. You're there. He's just easing on up there looking for looking for whoever's talking. And, right. And, you know, by, you're already back. Man, it's, uh, and, it's on like Donkey Kong, man. And that animal is going to come out and top up and stop and look. 
and then he's either going to go to one side or the other because he needs to scent check that area. So, you know, remember, guys, it's it's your decisions, your actions, and or your inactions that's going to cause that animal to to stall. Okay. Right. So these are things that you can do. Number three is huge, man. And and remember, when a bull comes and is looking for something, he's looking for visual confirmation of another elk. So the best thing you can use for visual confirmation we talked about in our last podcast is a decoy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So you can either use a decoy that um, that you set up. Uh, I, I think that ultimate predator, it can be hung in a tree and when you move up, or you can have that puppy on the front of your bow, and that animal is going to come across and see that. And let me tell you what. Here's a little secret to that. When that bull comes up and he sees that decoy, he might stop and look at it. Take your hand up there and take that ear and just flick that ear one time, man. And uh, he sees that movement on that ear. And and I tell you what, that puts it to him right there. All right? I I love the decoy thing, man. I think it it adds an element to the hunt that it makes the elk um, more comfortable, right, when they come walk in. They're a social animal. They like to see other other elk. So when you can do something like that, especially bulls, uh, they see a, the butt end of a cow or, you know, that Montana decoy that you got. I mean, dude, that thing's, it's been money. Yeah, there you go. And, and, you know, the cool thing, you know, that ultimate predator guys like, well, and it has that shoot through window mounted on the front of your bow, you get to draw and it has no problem with the animal when you draw. Um, so it, it covers your draw. And the thing is, is that animal is sometimes going to come straight at you. But again, if you're patient, they're going to turn to scent check. Okay. All right. So uh, I think that's a great option. And fourth, fourth is what if you were not able to do all those things and that bull does hang up? And here's what the scenario looks like. So the bull comes over the hill, he drops down, he stops, he's looking and he bugles, he looks, he gets nothing. And next thing you know, he turns and he walks off. And as you see him walking off, what do you do? You know, you crank off again or you cow call, do something like that. He will turn around and come to the exact same spot that he came to. I've had bulls do that four times, right? Mm-hmm. So what you need to do, though, is you need to recognize that uh, after that bull comes in, the second time like that you shut up and get up there cut that distance get to the downwind side of it get on the downwind side of it get where you got a good shot where that animal came last that he was comfortable at throw that cow call back behind you or that bugle whatever you were using so that it's going back behind you and get ready okay um there's a good chance because there's plenty of bulls that have gone down to that more than once all right no doubt no doubt so that there's our strategies for you guys that we're asking about. Uh, 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 that was a wham, bam, thank you right there. So, hey man, it's great. Four great strategies for everybody that's going to be in the hills here shortly. I mean, it, these things are yes, you know, great content, Joe. These things can really help our hunters out for sure. I can't, you know, I'm soaking it all in myself. I'm fixing to be pounding the pounding the ground with you. So I'll be uh, can't wait. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we covered those. Let's head over to the Elk Bros Mailbox. And guys, you guys out there, don't forget, where are they going to send their questions to, Gilbert? 
They're going to send their questions to I-N-F-O. That's info at elkbros.com. I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. Oh, and b- before I go on, Gilbert, man, uh, um, Unleashed 2, uh, I'm hearing people just uh, had a great time with that. I had a great time doing it. Um, it it uh, It's really – it set another record for first day listens for us. So, uh, you know, uh, thanks for sharing those stories with everybody. And I, I tell you what, I'm going to tell everybody out here, Gilbert's still holding back because <laughs> it's almost yeah, – Well, for sure. I mean, I'm trying to keep it PG. No, well, I, and I don't mean in that way, bro. I mean, it almost seems sometimes like you're trying to uh, uh, not wake somebody up or something like that because I tell you what, this dude – just about every time he talks about an elk, you get you you get imitations of elk. You get what oh, yeah. it sounds like when a tree breaks. So we get all these sound effects and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I think yeah, I'm gonna have to get my studio built, Joe, so yeah. uh, I can go ahead and great you know be all unleashed, <laughs> branches cracking, you know, and yeah, elk yeah. bugling. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I like when you, when you talk about and that bull came and got in my face and he went how Gilbert yeah. <laughs> how's he go <laughs> <laughs> yeah man they're crazy alright so back I've to been, the middle I've box. been a lot of places and been intimidated by not much but I guarantee when you get an elk right there in your face brother <laughs> i'm telling you don't get any better than that <laughs> so our first letter is from kyle skeletsky from platteville wisconsin and uh uh kyle says that where i'm going to be hunting is thought to have a lot of hunting pressure and there are tons of four-wheeler trailers all over the units i understand to get away from crowds you can out hike the competition but i'm sure there are pockets of elk roads near or uh, pockets of elk near roads and trails that a lot of guys blow right past. How does a guy go about finding overlooked spots in heavily trailed areas? What kind of sign should I be looking for, like steep ridges next to trails, small drainages and lower elevations? So that was his question that he had. And, and you know what, Kyle, you're exactly right. There's a ton of elk that a lot of people go right by. And the first thing I would tell you is, is that those areas between those trails are corridors, mm-hmm. you know, and if you can recognize where feed areas are, bedding areas that go through it, they're going to cross through those areas. So you've got to be the person that if it's a mile, two miles between yeah. roads out there, you've got to be the one that parks that bike and bails off into there and, and finds where those animals inside because, we kill elk every year in areas between all those ATV trails with people driving all around. Oh yeah, man! I, that big bull I arrowed a couple of years ago, I I could hear four wheelers behind me. I'm serious. You know, it was crazy, and they some had come through not thirty, maybe fifteen, eighteen minutes before we got in that big herd. It was it was wild. And, and I'll tell you, Kyle, when you talk about small drainages and lower elevations, a lot of times, a lot of those lower elevations, what people call ugly country, um, mm-hmm. you get a lot of scrub oak, you get a lot of different types of either juniper, different types, and, and depending on where you're hunting. But, he didn't yeah, say I mean, where he was hunting, huh, Joe? Um, let's see. And he said he's from Wisconsin, but he didn't say right. if he was in New and Mexico I really or Colorado. Sure where he's at. I have a feeling it's Colorado, but um, 
Guys, that'd be helpful when y'all send us questions. Please let us know where you're hunting, what type of terrain maybe. Uh, that'll help us get a little bit better fix on what hey, you Tyler, got going on. If you did that and I left it out, my bad, dude. But uh, I, I'm going to tell you, those small drainages and some of those lower elevations, any of those areas that, you know, you can go on Onyx and you can see where the where the routes are, where people take, and then you can see where those um, north and northeast heavily treed ridges are that might have a food source down in their bottom that's just even just like a little hidden park or anything like that can be great areas to hunt okay yeah you know carl gamage and i the late carl gamage and i when i killed my first cow i ever killed in my life i was with him and we traversed this massive <laughs> this massive little mountain in front of us and went up a fence line and uh got to the very top and i mean we topped out at that thing and uh, oh, my gosh, it, we were tired and whipped. And when we got to the top, it's just a little tabletop, man. It probably wasn't three or 400 yards wide by three or 400 yards wide. Right. And uh, it just kind of, we were on top and we sat down to eat a little bit of granola and I turned and looked and there's an elk standing there to my left, <laughs> to my left, just feeding on oak brush. Right. I, I kind of poked him in the leg and I just, motion to him like that he turned and he goes (laughs) he's like oh my gosh we just eased up in there and sat down amongst them you know right and uh she kind of milled around and and moved on and everything we had a bull coming down and uh i could see that bull working his way down so i just made a little cow call and man he lit up and here he come and he hung up at about 80 yards and i had some had some uh equipment in front of me that i couldn't weave something through and i mean he's broadside at 78 yards but there's just some stuff above me that i just can't thread it through and uh i turn and look straight below us carl tapped me on the side and straight below us this cow walks out at 44 yards and uh he i drew on her and he did not think i was ever going to kill that cow right that with that bull standing over there right he had no clue and i drew in she like Put it right here, boss. Right. <laughs> I mean, for real. I drew that bow back, poof, and I let it go. It freaked him out. He had no clue that I was going to shoot that cow. But I mean, seriously, I've got a picture of Carl holding the heart of that elk and with the hole right through it. I mean, we hardened her. But it was in a real little spot. Well, it I was- don't know if you remember or not, but I came into camp two days after Carl was in there. I yes. come into camp and Carl says, we haven't seen an elk, dude. I'm worried in two days. And I said, really? I said, I just drove past a herd right at the, at coming off the road. Yeah. Same story, Kyle, man. Uh, yeah. Everybody had driven in past all of these elk. Yep. So they went back to where, I mean, they were just off the road by a half mile and that's where the, where the herd was. So you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. There's animals that a lot of people go right on by. So, And there was a bunch of them in there. When we blew that herd up, man, there were a bunch of elk up on yep. top. And you could hear them, yeah, yeah. You could really hear them going off, you know. Definitely. After, we, after we lit that one up, it was, cool. <laughs> it was too cool, man. It was one of the, my greatest moments hunting, for sure, cool. to be with Carl and do that. So our next question is from Keenan Gibson out of Western Kansas. And, and it was kind of interesting. He says, I was wondering what color of headlamp y'all use when hunting elk. Uh, 
Uh, I've always used a red lamp hunting whitetail since they can't see red. Do you use normal whitehead lamp when going out before daylight or none at all? Or in your opinion, does it matter? Um, I don't know. What do you use? I use, well, I have two different types. I do have a red lens on my, on my lamp and then I have white. Normally when I'm using a, a lamp, it's because I can't see, right? Right. Um, in some of those dark nights and stuff like that, when we're done hunting and I'm coming back, uh, yeah, I'll turn my headlamp on, but definitely or while I'm riding a bike or something like that. But and I, I, I like a white headlamp. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, sometimes a red, some things can get dark shadowed out and you mm-hmm. can end up with a twig or something sticking you in the eye going through yep. thick stuff. And, uh, I, you know, the thing is, is when we are walking, we want our lamps going down at the ground. Mm-hmm. If we're going to start doing some calling, we turn everything off so we can look up and we don't want light shining all over the woods. We want to be in the dark. We want to be in the silence. And I'll tell you another thing about a red headlamp. Uh, I, I was coming back to camp before GPS and I, well, actually it was a GPS, but I was, I would use my, my uh, compass uh, instead of using the battery on the GPS and, and, I, and I've got my red headlamp, and I'm following that sucker, and, and I'm going back, and I know camp is north. And, and one of my buddies tapped me on the shoulder and said, Joe, I think we're going the wrong way. And I'm like, no, dude, look at that, man. That thing, you know, that, that white part of that tab is pointing perfectly north. You know, we're going the right way. <laughs> well, you know what a red headlamp does to a red part on a, on a compass? <laughs> it makes it white. Yeah, <laughs> so, no doubt. So the compass was actually changing the color of uh, the dial wow. on the compass from my headlamp and made me think I was actually using it correctly when I was going in an opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> There's one for y'all out there. <laughs> no, no. 180 out. <laughs> 180 out, dude. All right. Uh, next one from Tim Boyett out of St. Marie's, Idaho. In fact, I think we've, uh, we've had them in a shout out. No doubt. Uh, he said, uh, what packs are you guys using for day hunting and meat hauling? And, you know, um, for, for our hauling, we use freighter packs that are just uh, Kelty hauler packs that you can get from Sportsman Supply, man. We, um, I've got one pretty close by, Joe, if you want me to pick it up and show it. But. Yeah, you can show it if you want to. And, yeah. and uh, I, I'll tell everybody that um, as far as my day pack uh, – I've got a couple things. I have a pack that my wife has made for me um, that I really like to like to use. It's just a, a day pack that's pretty silent, and uh, and most of our group is using Badlands packs. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really hard to to beat those for day packs. So here's my Tenzig pack that I wear, uh, guys. I I've used a couple different packs. This is actual fanny pack that uh, rests on your shoulders. Uh, you can put quite a bit of stuff in here. I think this is the Tenzig. Uh, TZ 9930. Uh, so it's it's been a great pack. I, I since ordered a Badlands pack like Joe uses. Uh, we're going to put it to the test this year. Uh, but I've been using this. My, uh, my bugle tube goes right across the top with my rain gear. It's got great straps to go, go with it. Y'all can see my bugle tube. It sits right there on the top. Uh, got great pockets for your uh, you know, your GPS, your wind checker, all of that. I mean, y'all can see it right here. So, um, but and that's it's what nice I, to have. It's I, nice to have side pockets that you can just 
drop in access, your range yeah. finder uh, and, yeah. and just, or your binos and just access them real easy without having to do a lot of work for it. So my frame packs in the garage, Joe, I thought it was sitting behind me, but it's not That's it's all in the good. garage. That's all good, man. So, um, you know, uh, whatever can, that you can have that's going to stay quiet on your shoulders is going to stay on your back, be comfortable, uh, and, and doesn't carry too much gear. Uh, one of our friends, uh, asked us the other day, he's an engineer, so they're kind of minded like that, how much his pack should weigh. Wait. And I tell you this, most guys carry more stuff than they need. So, yeah. um, if you're kinda, hunting with a guide. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're on your own, even, you know, I, I just see, they feel like they got to have, everything in camp with them and, and you don't you got to have your you know got to have your kill kit got to have your small first aid kit you got to have uh you know your food your rain gear if you have a little change of clothes and then those important things like your the most important thing is your wind checker got to have your range finder if you use a range finder you know those types of things so uh your grunt tube your call extra release in case something happens to your if you use a release yeah uh you know, your flashlights and make flashlight. those light. And mm -hmm. they make incredible lights now that are really, really bright that don't weigh a whole lot. So exactly. Exactly. Just make yeah, sure you a have a good sharp, good sharp knife. And guys, don't forget your tags. <laughs> Most Put your definitely. tags in your in your uh in your backpacks for sure. Your Luckily license. that doesn't weigh anything. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Heck, okay. they got them now, Joe, where a lot of these states are going to electronic tags. You know, they're yeah. on your iPhone and everything. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild, you know. Yeah. In fact, getting more I think, and more friendly. I think you can do that in New Mexico. You, you can. can. I'm just kind of old school. I like yeah. to have my tag with me. Yeah, it's kind of fun to notch something out, dude. Heck yeah, you man. Know? Absolutely. Yeah, get a good picture of that. Um, good luck, Tim. Go get them in Idaho, well, brother. We want to see some pictures. So he's got uh, he's got two more questions oh, cool. here. Yeah, so okay. don't get rid of Tim yet there, bro. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. First, he said, and his next one was, and, and I'm going to be real short because this can go a long ways. And um, he said, next, what broadheads do you re recommend and, and why? And here's how I'm going to put it. Uh, I'm going to tell you that you want to use whatever broadhead has is a fixed blade broadhead that has a cut on contact or chisel tip on it um, and flies great with your setup. Um, you know, Gilbert has some that, that he uses. Um, I've, every animal I've ever killed uh, in the last 35 years has been killed, stung by the wasp. But I, you know, I'm instinctive and I'm, I've been with my wife and I have been married for 37 years. When I find something that works, I stick with it. I don't so. blame you either, Joe. It's a great <laughs> head. Uh, you guys, Wasp has really come on with some cool technology, better blades. I mean, teamed up with Havilon now. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been fantastic. Uh, read all the great reviews. I guarantee you, I'm going to tune some to my bow this year and see how they fly. Uh, I'm a big proponent of that chisel tip, but I will tell you guys, Joe and I both shoot, they're man-sized bows, right? I mean, they, these bows are really, when they call them nuclear bows, I mean, ours fly at real fast rates. They, we pull heavy poundages. Uh, and when you use a chisel tip or a punch cut, we call it, you've got to shoot a, a bow that can really get that chisel into where it needs to be. 
um, and can has some KE to split bone when it needs to. And that's um, why I go with a 125 grain as well. Right, I, I want right. that energy on my bow. So you bet. Um, and and Joe's 100 percent right. Shoot what flies well with your bow and your exactly. killing distance, right? Um, yeah. All you know, there's there's several different brands: Muzzy, Trocar, uh, the Bloodsport Wraith I shoot, uh, and the Wasp. Uh, but any of those products right there, man, you can't go wrong. Uh, just we'd stay away from the, and uh, there's a lot of guys that hunt with mechanicals. I just don't, I've had a lot of issues with, with them on getting pass throughs. And that's Joe says it a thousand times. You want two holes an entrance and an exit. That's exactly right. These animals are big, strong, athletic animals. And, you know, I don't, I've said it a million times. I don't care if it's a bull elephant or a field mouse. If you get a double lung, you're going to kill that animal. And if you don't know where that location is, um, you can go on to our YouTube channel and uh, we have a video on there on, on shop place. Yeah. Yep. So check it out. Uh, awesome. And, and that'll help you out. Um, his last question was, lastly, please go over your ice method for meat management and hot weather. And uh, um, Tim, we bone out our meat and put it in coolers ASAP. And uh, it, it, it's covered in ice, ice to meat. So um, we get that, get those pieces boned out. We put in a layer inside our cooler. Um, we throw some ice on top of that layer. We get another layer. We put ice on it. And we want to bury that meat in ice. And what's going to happen is that ice is going to melt. Not all of it. And especially if you're in any of these you know, great molded coolers that they're out there these days. And there's several great brands out there that, that do that. <laughs> That's right. But, but uh, if you get those in there, a lot of that ice is going to still stay frozen, but a lot of it's going to melt because of that meat. And it's going to end up in an ice bath after a few days. Um, if it does start to get to a point where there's not ice in there, we will drain some of that water out, add my, uh, add ice back into the water. We don't get rid of all the water. We like the idea of that water, that meat being surrounded by the water, leaching it out, and it's going to leach that blood. It, you can keep it in there five, nine, 11 days um, yeah. as long as you keep it in ice water. And um, I tell you what, unless it's uh, and we haven't had to do it we have never hung our meat and uh, um, that's how we've handled our meat for many years and we got incredible tasting meat it's tender as heck Um, I will tell you keep your coolers in the shade as much as possible we do Um, that we actually build us a little place to put our coolers you know right it's shady and that'll help you with the need for more ice. But I tell you what, don't worry about the fact that there's water in there. You stick mm-hmm. your hand in there, and if it hurts your hand, that meat's doing just yeah, fine, man. It's doing good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, well, and, and you know, for sure, Joe, when we bone out our meat, too, um, you know, it's allowing it a chance to cool. So it's not as hot when you put it on there fresh right. and it doesn't melt all your ice. You know, uh, a lot of times, you know, we get back to elk camp and – it's it's chilly, you know, where we hunt. So right. at night it's gonna get dip into the thirties, you know, forties. So meat's gonna be just fine. When you get up the next morning, you bone that sucker out and the meat's had a chance to cool, you get it on that ice and man, it'll last a good long time. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta remember that uh that you know, heat, 
especially anything over 40 degrees uh, is that's when bacteria starts getting and and that heat is your enemy so you want to get that stuff on ice as, as soon as possible okay and you know i've heard people say well should i put it in a river or something like that there's bacteria in a river yeah now if if i if that's I was in a situation where that's all I had to try to save my meat. Sure. And yeah, I would do that, and then yeah. I'd make sure I clean my meat off real good when I get it off there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, those guys up in Alaska, they make them a meat cache. You know, yeah. they'll dig a hole and sure. stuff like that, and keep and their meat down there. Yeah, they'll they'll uh, do things like that. But we've hadn't had to do that. You know, we bring several coolers full of ice, and um, you know it's been we've been really lucky i guess i mean and then you know we've had to come down a couple of times to get some more ice not on purpose but because somebody knocked a bull down right or, right know, we needed something or another and we can reload with some ice sure. if we need need be oh man and so that's that's ours and remember that uh we're not putting our meat in plastic bags we're putting it in the cooler ice to the meat okay yep. so that's how we're doing that and we're you know, I'm actually going to stop right there on the mailbox. Um, we got uh, PJ and and a couple other guys that uh, uh, PJ Hennigan uh, from Bend, Oregon, has sent in a question. And I talked with PJ. We actually had a phone conversation just a oh, little man, early awesome. this evening. So uh, I was able to talk to him personally because I know he's getting ready to get in the hills. So we're going to hold his till next week. We'll discuss that then. And uh, we've got a couple other questions, Gilbert. But uh, remember, if you like what we're doing, please, again, go right down right now. Find the button and subscribe. Um, Go ahead, rate and review us. And uh, if you go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please leave us a review on that. And you can always check out more of our elk hunting content. We got videos. We have some tutorials. We got stories. Just go to elkbros.com to check that out. And for all of you listeners out there, if you have any questions, as you can tell, man, I tell you, there is no question we're not going to answer. Send it to us. Uh, It'll get answered on the show. Sometimes we give you a phone call, but just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And from the absent Gilbert Ornelas, who we just lost here. <laughs> oh, he just texted me. His, his, his computer went out on him. So from Gilbert Ornelas, uh, from Joe Gillia here in Cimarron, New Mexico, and from my brother Leroy Chavez, who's not here this evening, we're going to wish you guys a great evening. For all you guys heading out, we hope to see you in the mountains. Keep your broadhead sharp and uh, knock them down. Have that confidence. Have that passion. The rest takes care of itself. Good night, y'all. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.